Back in the 70s, board games and improv theater had a baby, and it was called the role-playing game. These games allowed a generation of kids to live out their dreams of slaying dragons and saving kingdoms, all while sitting in their bedrooms and basements. Today, gaming has moved into the cultural mainstream, and role-playing games are back with a vengeance. Join us now as five of these former kids come out of the basement and onto the internet to experience adventure, mystery, and obscure pop culture references. It's time for Roll for Combat. Hey everyone, welcome to Roll for Combat. I'm your GM and host, Stephen Glicker, and in this week's special episode, we are talking with John Compton, the organized play lead developer for Paizo. For those of you who are regular listeners to our actual play podcast, John wrote book two of the Dead Sons Adventure Path, which is the Temple of the Twelve. And on our podcast, we literally just finished that book up last week. Now, I didn't get a chance to have John on our show while we were playing the book because it was con season and he was just too well booked up, but I was able to jump on the phone with him to get him on the show and we talk about a wide variety of things. For those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, the first half of the interview is what we thought of book two, some of the things that we encountered during book two, and for those of you who don't listen to our show on a regular basis but have done Dead Sons book two, The Temple of the Twelve, you'll definitely get something out of it because you'll hear what he thinks and how he built many of the harder encounters. And heck, even if you just like adventure paths and adventures in general, you'll probably get something out of it because he explains kind of how the adventure path was built and how some of the encounters were built and what the purpose of them was. The second half of the interview, we just talk about stuff. We talk a lot about Starfinder Society and some of the cool adventures that came out in the past and some that are be coming out in the future. We talk about how the second part of Season 1 is going to unfold. We talk about Pathfinder Society. We talk about the very last adventure path that's ever going to be written. And John has written the very last book of Pathfinder Version 1 ever. And we talk about that. So overall, we kind of jump all over the place. For those of you who don't know what's going on when you hear all these voices, that's everyone from our podcast. So we're all interviewing him at the same time. Again, for those of you who are brand new to this podcast, we are an actual play podcast where we're currently playing the Dead Sons Adventure Path, and we are starting book three right away. We're actually going to have a nice recap, so if you don't feel like going back and listening to the first 47 episodes, that's fine. You can start on episode number 48. We have a nice recap of everything that's happened to date, so you will be all caught up, and you can start on episode 48, or if you like what you hear, you can just start in episode one and catch yourself up. We also play Starfinder Society, and you can listen to those episodes. And we have actually a large mix of Paizo employees as well as other luminaries in the role-playing industry playing with us on those games as well. And finally, if you're interested in playing games with us, you can go to the Discord channel, which is discord.rollforcombat.com. The Roll for Combat Discord channel was just a made an official lodge for play-by-post, or in this case, play-by-discord. And we are currently running, I think, seven games 
of Pathfinder playtest right now. But if you jump on, we're always starting new games. We have a couple of Starfinder Society games going on there. We're starting up some Pathfinder version 1 Society games. And we even have the occasional live game once in a while. So check that out. With further ado, here's our interview with John Compton. We have John Compton from Paizo, organized play lead developer, here to talk about our experiences of book two. And we just wanted to get you on the show and say first that it was a lot of fun. And I like the chase mechanic quite a bit. I think that was my favorite part of book two. And even just going through the jungle and having these guys not having any way out. Like, yes, they live in sci-fi, but then you have this primeval jungle that they were totally dependent on their skills and what they could find. And, oh, the heat. I don't know if anyone else did heat the way we did. But we oh, nobody it. did. No one did. I guarantee every other person just ignored those rules. Wrong. We played every single encounter we did the heat every single time we played they even did the heat rules they had one combat where two of our characters took off their armor went naked were uh ambushed and then hiroji fought naked because he didn't have time to put his armor on and and still lived it still lived and then i hear people write to me saying that they don't know how these guys live because they're they're insane so that, well, I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, people usually completely underestimate the environment, and Starfinder definitely makes that a lot easier because you have your "we resist everything" suits, whatever, until you're out there for days upon days upon days. But yeah, those heat rules and cold rules can be they can be a pain to do at the table. Um, that's definitely something that we find ourselves having to kind of tweak a little bit for organized play scenarios because. Otherwise, you end up doing like 30 checks per person on the way to the adventure when that is going to just spend a lot of time at the table that would be better off having an encounter. Yep. Yeah, we played it completely wrong. Uh, Two of us or three of us did not even check our inventory and we had backup uh, suits that we could have eschewed the entire thing. Uh, and then when they realized that, oh, yeah, we do have the right equipment, it made it a lot easier. Well, that was discovered on like day 14. Yeah, a lot easier, but less fun. Yeah. Yeah. More fun going, you know, buck naked in the jungle. <laughs> naked you, savages. You enjoyed that a little too much, I think. <laughs> Definitely makes for better storytelling, at least. So, my big question okay, so this is the one question I, the undead uh, elf. The guardian when we talked to him we came to the conclusion that we should attack him did anybody like what was the general like did we miss any tells that said don't attack this guy because he whomped us uh we we backed away and then he stopped attacking i guess he's like guarding the uh the he's the door. Yeah. Oh, his 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 one attack almost nearly one shotted me, and I'm the I'm I'm playing a guy who's the melee uh, soldier. That was pretty crazy. Do do you get feedback that that guy is killed like a lot of uh, adventurers? Also, do keep in mind, John, that we have no magic. My question is, what tells did we miss? 
had we some you know magic people or if there was another way like how how do players usually detect them and like what's well, the actually, general reaction players with fought him is the idea yeah there, there's a lot of um a lot of things with him basically come down to fighting and that's totally fine his shtick is that um he's the one who stayed behind in order to keep guard over this place and when the big bat of the volume comes by and says, oh, look, there's a guardian. Oh, technically he's undead. I know command undead. Boom, you are my servant now. Then what should have been a guardian of the temple becomes one of the servitors of the, uh, oh. of the uh, main villain. The thing is, though, that if, if you happen to have a mystic, if you happen to have said, you know what? Command undead sounds pretty good for me, too. Then you can recommand him and override that um you can potentially also sneak past him although that's going to be hard um although i understand you guys did a little bit of creative uh spelunking um yeah, we did. yeah. oh yeah <laughs> uh but by and large he's there to provide some background to what the temple is and why nobody should be allowed in you included the villain included but that there are special conditions in play he can kind of describe how he sure was ready to stop the villain from coming in too until magic happened. And now he's not entirely in control and he's cognizant of that. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah. Eventually you guys did befriend him. I mean, once the, once the big bad was, uh, was killed, I mean, he became your friend and actually escorted you and checked out the temple with you. I mean, it took a while, but he actually did become your friend. So he had to get to know us. Yeah. The idea is that, you know, you're almost certainly going to fight him, but hopefully you've talked to him enough that you're going to feel bad about having to do so. Yeah, we. I think we had some issues with getting, like we kind of failed diplomacies and things, and he was angry <laughs> right away at us. It was weird. But then we did try and fight him, and then we, we did retreat, which was fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't get... Uh, was So he was killable? Like, like he's like a killable... Uh... Right, you got to make some good rolls, John. Yeah. Well. yeah. well, and also other groups have healing. Yeah, you you can totally take them down. I think we did like twenty or thirty points of damage on them before we kind of had to pull back. I mean, if we'd stuck with it, we might have won. I mean, granted, you couldn't have taken too many more hits. Oh but... yeah, yeah. I was cowardice sometimes factors in. Actually, my question with that whole storyline was. Have you at Paizo and all determined like some original origin story for elves in the universe? Because there's obviously hints of, well, space elves that have been around presumably long before Galarian. Yeah, there's definitely elves have been around before like mainstream society in Galarian as we know it in Pathfinder. But the idea is that elves come from Castrovel. Whether they had some sort of origin before that as well, that's not really covered. Um, but Temple of the Twelve definitely pokes at the idea that elves have migrated to more than just Galarian, because uh, the the ones of Ukalam uh, are implied to have basically headed off off into the stars, trying to pursue more secrets of Ibra. Excellent. Wow, I did not know that. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I, I enjoyed the elements of the fact that obviously it's like sort of long after the gap we are discovering elves but they are not the elves of galarian they're from an entirely different civilization however they're the same race i mean that's i, I there's I, I like the concept of a greater storyline that's going on beyond all of this yeah and, and even those elves are the same elves of galarian give or take 
um, the whole like Earthfall stuff happens 10,000 years before the Pathfinder timeline. The elves mostly retreat to Castrovel before they come back a couple thousand years later because they're constantly getting pinged about terrible things that are happening on their uh, adopted home. Yeah, why doesn't Paizo write happy stories which you know with happy elves and nothing goes bad ever? <laughs> That's no fun. Yeah, but at that point, where's the adventure in that one? Yeah. And, and we and we do write some happy stories. I mean, about half of the Starfinder Society scenarios are let's do something really happy or let's do things for happy people. <laughs> and then we, you know, we take it down terrible, terrible rabbit holes, but yeah. <laughs> up until then, everything's fine. Let's go to a concert. <laughs> oh gosh, everything's blowing up there. Or Let's go help our friend Ziggy. Oh, gosh, he has a terrible, tragic backstory. Oh. Why is this Vesk trying to kill me? Um, I actually liked... Okay, so we had that 29-round uh, <laughs> combat. I actually... It wasn't a killer combat. John, other, tell him which combat. Well, That's um, the reclining elf with the... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't... I can't run. I don't... With the I assassin with the sniper rifle. I know there rifle. was the invisible thing in, in the sky. That was crazy. Yeah, we went the long way around the elf when we got to it. And so I think that's but the guy There's bad luck. Yeah, there's some bad luck there, definitely. Yeah, but but the sniper wasn't doing that much damage and you know, it's only one guy there, but that 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 invisible thing. Uh that 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 was a little rough. Like we we didn't know what to make of that. I I do wonder is that like is there some way we could have separated those fights and taken them on separately or were we just idiots and and happened to bleed them together? Yeah, we were supposed to go together. You also split the party. Don't forget. So because Mo intentionally true, but Mo went north and then you guys went south, and fun started to happen at that at that point. Yeah, yeah, you you can totally take those fights separately. The trick is that um, all of those surrounding outbuildings, um, they have different height walls. Um, so when, if you're looking at the uh, the volume itself at the map with all the tags, there are some of them that are labeled uh, A, there's some of them that are labeled B. One of those sets is low enough that it's only providing you a little bit of cover from the uh, sniper, but not entirely unless you just lie down. And then others, are tall enough to provide you a whole bunch of cover, even if you're standing up. So if you end up taking that Skyfisher fight into some of those taller ruins, then the sniper's not really going to get a clear shot at you. Huh. Well, you know what happened is uh, Mo climbed up the elf, and then that's when the Skyfisher attacked him. So at that point, he was long past those those buildings so he was he was a sitting duck in every yeah, way yeah we, we gave it the bums rush there was not a lot of strategy and we all ran separate you know the sniper was doing what it's supposed to do panic completely uncoordinated people and everybody had their own plan which was kind of funny because we didn't know exactly where to go so ah oh, sniper's dream yeah. yeah, I got I got messed up in that combat battle. <laughs> dying. Yeah. Well, by the end, because they ended up bleeding all the encounters. By the end, you were all except Tuttle. Everyone was near death. I remember everyone was covered in red, except for Tuttle. Tuttle somehow slipped out of that with yeah, a little so damage. I was kind of dragging behind. That's right. I think it was, be- well, it was because I, part of it was because I had to do with you know the the drone dance over difficult terrain so that kind of slowed me down a little bit compared to the other guys 
Oh, one thing, one question I had also is that, um, you know, at the end, when we went to the university, um, all of these Philistines, of course, took the money. I, I went for the schooling. So I wonder if I get anything out of that. <laughs> I mean, that's one of those things that can lead to all sorts of great things, depending upon what the gym wants to do with it. I mean, consider all the possibilities that you could get out of a xenoarchaeology and xenobiology, xenoanthropology degree. Um, yes. These that'd are be the awesome. sorts of things that could help you throughout the rest of the campaign if you were willing to, of course, you know, take several months off of adventuring and then study up or access the resources. I, it, it's totally a thing where the gym can say, cool, uh, because you chose this, because of your special education here and opportunities, you can access this feat or you have access to this um, array of equipment. You have access to these class options. Steve, get cracking on that. <laughs> Actually, already, I'm already doing it because you started when they were on the ship and they were spending like two weeks in travel. Hiroji was already starting his right. online, online courses. Online courses. courses. <laughs> so if he great. decided to not, yeah, I already said I was, and you are taking Xeno archaeology uh, yep. as your major. So and my theme is Xeno Seeker. Like I'm, that's right. part of my theme. And oh, I'm wow. no dunce. Like I'm actually, you know, uh, as an operative, even I have a 14 intelligence. That's not bad. Yeah. So yeah, I, th I think there's some really good potential there, especially some of the later adventures that are coming up. Yeah, no, he's going to be rewarded. You're going to be rewarded by not taking the money, definitely. Nice. So wait, Jason, do you want to talk about your adventures with Cheddar since he built him? Because you built him at level two, and now he's up to level five. Well, yeah. I, well, first of all, first of all, you shamed me into using the button more since PaizoCon. I'd like to point that out. I've, and I kind of warmed to the idea that most of the effects that we've hit so far have been like mildly positive buffs so i've been a little more free and i see i always worry i was always worried it was going to be like the portable black hole and everyone everyone within 30 feet was going to die and once i kind of got over the squeamishness and realized that i didn't want to like tpk us using the button but that once i realized it was kind of mostly like minor benign effects i started using it more so um we've had some fun with that you know, in terms of what new stuff, I don't know. He's got a, well. The, we have entered a bold new era in that he now Cheddar now has a riding saddle. So there will be the uh, the sort of Napoleon Bonaparte on horseback painting of Tuttle riding Tuttle riding Cheddar into battle will have to be commissioned. <laughs> so that's going to be kind of that. We started playing around with that a little bit as well. So um, haven't really upgraded any of his weapons yet. That's going to probably be on the horizon somewhere, but. He's, yeah, I was looking been... at some of the recent pictures, and it looks like, despite gaining yet more decals and the like, he still has some sort of like club with a rock stuck in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's still on the tactical razor bat or whatever as the as his primary weapon. So, in the junk cannon, so we've used the chainsaw wings a little bit. Um, he did get one particularly messy crit that was exciting. So, um, yeah, the, the lesson is hit the button. The lesson is hit the button. Bu yeah, hit the button more. Yes. I thought it was going to be a panic button, like the very last, you know, desperate type of thing, you know, uh, something like that. But. And we did get the song. We got the song fairly early on. So that was kind of exciting. The one where the disco ball comes out and he starts playing the music and it's like inspired. He gives everyone like a plus one inspiration buff. We got that one. <laughs> so that was exciting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most most of what he does is positive. There are a couple of negative things in there. Um, but they shouldn't be the ones that 
kill the entire party. I don't think we've had like the true critical fail, critical success table. I think we had one critical success, but the guy was already so low on health that it didn't particularly matter. And it would have killed him anyways. But then I don't think we've had a. I don't think we've rolled a one. I don't think we've had a critical. Have failure. we had any negatives so far? I don't think you actually. No, you rolled. You did roll a one, and it's the only time. So in all these episodes, I don't know how it's happened because we've had episodes where Hiroji rolls three ones in a row, but Cheddar rolled one 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 in like forty five episodes. And because it's so rare, I just totally forgot to do the table. So yeah, it just never comes up. It's kind of amazing, actually. It's it's like the the odds which are means, which it. means we've just jinxed it. And I'm probably gonna roll like three one uh, next time we play. Yeah. As long as it's not me rolling once, I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, Roshi's actually happy. Chris is stoked about that. So real quick, also, let's talk a little bit about our society since John is in charge of it. We did play a couple of society games, and for most of us, this was brand new, and they loved it. These guys loved playing society. Uh, yes. Which adventures? Yeah, did, yeah which which adventures? Um... Well, John's in charge of all of them, but we did remember we did one dash ten. That was the half alive streets. Remember that? Oh one? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And then we did and then the one aboard the spaceship. Yep. Um, Cries from the Drift. Yep. Yes, Cries from the Drift. Yeah, I was drawing a blank on the name, but yeah, Cries from the Drift. And then... Yeah, you guys chose some doozies. <laughs> that wasn't an accident. I picked those. Because <laughs> we love <laughs> like, space horror. Like, those are the ones where it's all just, let's see how, how nice it starts out, and then, oh, oh, things got worse. Oh, gosh, it's even worse. Oh, geez, it's coming out of him. Ugh. Yeah, well, Steve's, Steve's got a thing for horror. Actually, I mean, all of us do to varying degrees, but Steve in particular has a thing for like the horror themed ones. So, well, we also did the Red Planet and the um, that one, that one we did with Linda and Mark from Paizo, and you've heard of that. That one's it hasn't aired yet. I have to still edit it. That one's a doozy as well. Uh, I, I do understand that Mark made a choice. Uh, Mark impacted a lot of people. Mark, Mark went off the rails. Uh, uh, Mark seems like a very nice normal probably neutral good in real life but he went totally evil i wouldn't say evil but chaotic neutral in his new character and uh oh boy things happen i i don't want to speak of that episode just because that was the night of of like horrendous dice rolling i think i rolled like almost all single numbers (laughs) yeah wait was that the night that he's someone spent the whole time trying to pick a lock that we couldn't pick no, that no, was, no, that no, was, was half alive street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that half alive. Rob Tremarco doing right. the, trying to pick that was the right. lock. That was that was Rob trying to pick the lock to the back door while the entire party is being <laughs> viciously attacked yeah. by a horde of zombies. <laughs> and he's failing roll after roll after roll after roll. Meanwhile, everyone's screaming and yelling. I really like these society adventures. I have to tell you, they they really let you try some crazy situations. Yeah, and, and importantly, they let you try those crazy situations with a rotating cast of people, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've actually never done any society with the same crew. I mean, we always, that's sort of the point, is that we've, we've done all of our adventures with new people. I do have one regret, is that PaizoCon, I played um, the one where you do the race, like the, there's a race, and you have to, like, soup up the car and the whole thing. And one of the aspects of that was going to wait in line to get the new album from those uh that rock band whose name i forget but is a 
I bum that I didn't do that. Like everyone chose to do that. I'm like, nah, I don't like waiting in line. So I'm like, oh, every everybody goes to get uh, Star Sugar Heart Love by Strawberry Machine Cake. That's right. <laughs> I didn't do it. The line was too long. It was too long. I was like, no, I, I just don't do <laughs> lines. Sorry, I'm not doing it. Well, don't worry. It's not like that comes up in like two or three I more know. in the society. Like, oh, wait a second. It does. That's I right. That's what I've heard and I'm regretting now. I had already rate, waited on a real line to get dice. And I was like, nah, no more life. John, are you working on anything exciting now that you can uh, talk about? Or is it uh, pretty hush-hush still? Uh, I mean, there are several things that I'm working on that I can't yet talk about. But there's at least one that I can largely acknowledge, uh, even if the details are still kind of vague as far as, as, far as public goes. Um, so we have our uh, last um, adventure path that was uh, announced at PaizoCon uh, for the first edition of Pathfinder, which is Tyrant's Grasp. Effectively, the PCs are there to hopefully stop the Whispering Tyrant from awakening on the, um, I was confused at Isle of Dread, not Isle of Terror. Um, and uh, I will be doing the last of those adventures. So I'm I'm working on the last AP and the last volume of the AP for first edition, which is wow. should be a good fun time. Wow. So is that boss monster? Like it was great. all a dream sequence. <laughs> what all of the edition? All of Pathfinder version one. <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> we don't know. Um, there are certainly some surprises in there uh, coming up, and then there there are plenty of other things that uh, are coming up for the tail end of first edition that we're really excited about because a lot of the meetings have been like, okay, we could do a, another book that's like, you know fighter people of avistan woohoo or we could do well why why don't we all just have an opportunity to do x y or z or wh- what if what have you always wanted to get into print oh really okay then sort of stuff nice that's cool yeah we played um karen crown so yeah we know all about tar buffon so yeah we we hope the whispering tyrant breaks free and then uh kills everyone and then, you know, start Pathfinder. That's, in fact, I don't know what you're complaining about writing the last book. It's really easy. He breaks free. Everyone dies. The end. And here's Pathfinder 2. It's going to be a right. really short book. On the other side of the globe. Yeah. I imagine also you could all take extra vacation time this year if you did it that way. Uh, I could, but I mean, all these writing projects are things that I do in my off time. So I work the uh. however many hours per day. And then afterward, I stay at the computer and keep writing. Hmm. So I suppose the two... The two word, the end, everyone dies. Yeah, okay. Well, no, you no. put the fin, F I N, and then the question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, that is one way to push people in second edition. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I like second edition. Yeah. I mean, we, we did a big review of it and we played it a fair amount. And um, I mean, we like it a lot. I mean, I really love the action economy and I like no attacks of opportunity. So everyone's running around like, their chickens with their head cut off on the battlefield. It's very fast, very fluid. You do need big battle maps now, though, because people really move, which is different than the old ones where everyone stands still and no one goes anywhere. Yeah, that's always one of the challenges in uh, doing society stuff in particular is uh, picking out maps where you're going to have enough space for all six people at the presumed table and um, their size large animal companion, the guy who's mounted on a horse, um, plus the huge thing that they're fighting and in the end you end up having you know like negative five squares left over <laughs> that's right um, 
So uh, yeah, um, getting enough space for those is, is, can be a bit of a challenge on the, the flip mats, but there are a bunch of them of late that I've been really impressed with. So what is, or what should we expect for, cause like for season two, or is it season one a, you know, for path, sorry, for Starfinder society. Cause you didn't really end it. You just sort of having it continue for Starfinder society. So is it, is it actually season two that's going to be starting next year or is it, how are your, how is that going to be labeled? I'm just curious. Yeah. So, um, in the past, we've done a launch of a new season at Gen Con, so early August every year. Uh, now that Starfinder Society is really in the full swing of things uh, with two scenarios per month, what we're doing instead is we are launching new seasons at Origins. But because Starfinder Society had started with uh, one scenario per month for a while, and it had taken a little while to ramp up, uh, we determined that there was so much more to the story that we wanted to tell for season one before we moved on to something else that we extended it out. So it will become season two at Origins, so mid-June in 2019. So we're kind of in season one extended at this point. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up, though. Um, so we had our first multi-table interactive for Starfinder Society, and that was at uh, Origins. We did it again at Gen Con, in which you go back to the Scoured Stars, you're hopefully there to rescue a whole bunch of Starfinders, and naturally hijinks ensue. And by hijinks, I mean terrible, epic, grand things that show up on the screen. Um, and then we have a whole bunch of follow-up to that, because there are developments in 199, that special, as well as uh, in some of the other scenarios that we've had leading up to that time, which are based on those events within the Scoured Stars and the discoveries that we've made within it. And so we're going to be following up on a whole bunch of those. We're going to be dealing with some interesting faction leader storylines. Uh, we're going to be really investigating what the leadership of the Starfinder Society looks like, as well as even some of the details of uh, the Lorespire complex on Absalom Station, things like that. Um, really fun stories. Uh, Thurston Hillman has been really taking the lead on the vast majority of these outlines, even if we plan them together, um, and has some really cool stories in, in stow. Is there somebody's story that, or somebody's adventure that you could pick out and say, this is the thing that you're excited about the most? Can you, can you pick your favorite child or uh, some, something someone else did? I guess, are you, are you thinking looking ahead or, yeah, or no, things no, that have been done? Ahead, no, looking ahead. Like just oh, things that you hear down the pipe. Huh? I want to hear, I want to hear forward and back. I'm curious. All right. All right. What, well, I'm, I want to hear talking about for. We yeah, can yeah. start with back, actually, and then forward. But just something that you're most excited about that nobody outside of development knows about. You know, no spoilers, of course. So looking back, there are a whole bunch of really fun adventures. Uh, some of the ones that really stick out, though, are the ones that have just gone beyond our expectations as, part, as far as fan response goes. Uh, there is one adventure that has... Uh, come out with what is dubbed the psychedelic walruses. Um, you've probably seen those at uh, certain conventions because they have gotten a remarkable fan following. Um, I've been really pleased with how the adventures that uh, have Zoe in them have turned out. Um, he's an undead uh, mogul all about promoting entertainment, some of it being Bloodsport. Oh, we know Zoe. Yeah, Excellent. we know good. very well. Good, good. And then uh, Strawberry Machine Cake. And Star Sugar Heart Love, that also has a huge following. 
Uh, also, saving the Rencrotos uh, is a very important thing to do. It, it started as a bit of a joke between Thirsty and me uh, when we were thinking of like, what sort of social event could we do? Like, we don't want to do a wedding or a funeral or anything like that. We should have a gala of some form. We should have a benefit of some form. What do we want to do? Hey, remember that Save the Whales movement? Um, we should do that, but we should choose one of the existing alien animals that we have and just <laughs> run with it. Um, so there is a Save the Rencrotas uh, benefit gala on Ukulam uh, partway through season one. And it's the sort of thing where you're going to ask again, why can't we ever have happy stories? <laughs> well, you guys actually fought and killed those things in Ukulam. So, uh, so your other, your society characters can save them while your dead son's characters killed them horribly. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah. Hey, that's that's an alternate universe in the multiverse. Yeah, so they don't they don't impact each other, or at least they don't have to. I mean, you can always make your characters tie into each other in some way or another, but eh, probably better to have them separate. So, what about coming up that you're allowed to talk about? Uh, I mean, allowed to talk about is something that, to an extent, I define. Um, but the so we have a bunch of different things that are coming up uh, in one way or another, and we Thurston and I really like coming up with these situations where you are getting to do something, but you have to make choices, or you get to do something really cool, but there are consequences of having done it. Um, one of the things that really drives me is really any opportunity to include archaeologicals, uh, my archaeology background, and. One of them has been in season 10 of Pathfinder Society. We sure are doing a whole bunch of salvage archaeology because the place where all these things exist is gradually collapsing. So get in, study, get out. But for Starfinder Society, we have the implications of like what happens when you go into a place which is going to be a salvage operation, but it's because you're entering an escalating war zone. And what happens when you, as a neutral party, go in there as warm-blooded, warm-bodied individuals showing up on both sides' infrared cameras, and you really only have the agreement of one side to be in the <laughs> first place? That's so funny. Consequences like that, where you're playing with the, you know, it's not even geopolitics, it's the, like, cosmic politics, um, but still trying to do your Starfinder job are really fascinating to me. That's cool. That's really cool. So which do you prefer working on Starfinder Society or Pathfinder Society? Or you're not allowed to do that? Yeah, I mean, they both have their virtues. Um, Pathfinder Society is really nice just because we have so much canon to play with. We have such an, such an excited uh, following that have been following all these stories for so many years. Um, and we have so much more campaign setting content out there. So when we say we want to hold an adventure in this place. We probably have an entire book about that place already. So we have so many possible hooks to follow up on. But that's also part of what makes Starfinder Society so much fun is that we're not just looking around at an inner sea region that has you know 40 countries or so and saying, okay, which of these are we doing things with? We have not only the existing setting, but we can just invent a planet at any moment and say, we're doing a story about this thing now, and there's room for it in there. So the possibilities of Starfinder are some of the most intriguing and, and, and gripping ones in that we just get to invent what we need and then see what sticks with the audience and 
if they really like something, we get to follow up on it more and more. I always thought that was kind of like the Doctor Who model that like sci-fi can be as expansive as you need it to be. It's like you need to do something with XYZ planet where everyone is, you know, a, a, amalgam of the old west. Here you go. Have fun with it. I mean, it's just I, I think that's kind of a cool thing about the sci-fi setting that swords and sorcery is kind of, you know, in a certain path at this point. Yeah. And and I mean, on top of that. Like both fantasy and sci-fi have a huge host of tropes that you get to draw upon. Um, and we certainly do that for both of these, but sci-fi also has all of just modern culture that we get to draw upon. Um, so in the case of one of our scenarios, it sure is a reality TV show. It it's not the standard reality TV show, but it's a reality TV show, and you get to go through all of those steps um and basically throw each other under a bus by talking smack about each other, stuff like that. But that's something we could never do in a fantasy setting. But sci-fi and Starfinder Society really lets it happen. So we get to keep on riffing on these things. We like Starfinder a lot, basically for these very much reasons that we love fantasy and traditional Pathfinder. But it's not limited, but it is within this very limited genre. Well, this is any genre. I mean, you can even have fantasy in a sci-fi universe and it would make sense. And we, we've we seen the Old West, like the 1-2, that was kind of like a Western. And we have sci-fi horror and we have game shows and we have concerts. It's like you can do anything in sci-fi and it kind of makes sense, again, using the Doctor Who model. Yeah, and definitely early on in um, in designing Starfinder Society and coming up with what we wanted to have happen in some of our early adventures, it was, okay... Yes, people are going to want completely unique storylines, but on the other hand, people are going to want to show up in those first couple of months and say, I want to play this classic adventure using your new system. I want to go on the bug hunt. I want to be able to have the first contact scenario. I want to be able to, you know, play Cowboy Bebop for a couple of hours, stuff like that. Okay, let's make that happen. And then we have the capacity and we have the room to play with storyline wise. Once we've gotten some of those out of the way to, you know, do a little bit more of them if we want, or to comp- tell something completely different as we go. But we wanted to make sure that we got, we scratched the itches of those various tropes really early on um, just to show what the system could do. Cool. So do you guys have any other quick questions for John before we wrap this up? About well, anything Starfinder Society? Did well, it have it, to be so much difficult terrain? <laughs> no, no, no. It's a <laughs> it's a jungle. It's a well, it's a subtropical rainforest. So yes, I took I took the feet that allows me to uh, ignore twenty feet of difficult terrain. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> doesn't that feel good? Is it great to be rewarded for those niche character choices? In, yep. in general, we're becoming experts on solving the last problem we faced. Yeah, yeah. Like we get we get That's smacked we around do. by X Y Z, so we buy a bunch of equipment to deal with X Y Z, and then something new happens. It's like okay, yeah, it's so great. The term "difficult terrain" doesn't show up for another two volumes. It's actually it's, it's a showed lot. up in this one. Yeah. <laughs> showed up. We just played tonight where it was a factor. Yeah, so it's a good. Uh, I think we all. I think I took a, a mobility uh, feat as well. I'm just riding around on cheddar. I've, that solved yeah. my problem. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, it's good talking to you, though. Well, yeah, real quick, I will say, John, that you 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 seriously scarred these guys because when they went from level four to level five, everything they all took from level five 
was directly in relationship to nightmarish fights that they had uh, in your book, all of them. So congratulations, you did it. <laughs> oh, melts an evil writer's heart. Now you know you're doing your job. Yeah, you're definitely doing your job. <laughs> well, plenty more where that came from. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks, John, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for making these uh, adventures, too. Yeah, and we, um, I mean, we stopped society for a little while just because <laughs> you had this other thing called Pathfinder Playtest and Gen Con and PaizoCon. And, you know, there's only so much we can play <laughs> in our life. I definitely want to get back to the, 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 the society. Also, it's nice because, you know, when you do play an adventure path, as much fun as it is, you do get kind of, I wouldn't say bored, but you do play the same character for a year. You do want to try out new things, especially with the new system. So yeah, the nicest thing is that you can try out new characters and I can try out new settings and new adventure types, which is why I keep cho choosing those uh, horror adventures because I like them. <laughs> the great thing is you can keep on trying different things. We keep on doing the same thing, but, well, no, but in well, concert. It good concept, it concept. Well, you know, until Signals of Screams comes out, I'm stuck just, you know, with the ones that you give me. And, the, you know, just because they were absolutely horrid and they had almost no chance of winning, had nothing whatsoever in doing that. And then I don't feel bad at all killing off all the society characters because they could just make new ones. That's the best part. Well, also for our format where we play like three hours a week and an adventure, you know, adventure path takes a couple months to, to get through a couple, one book of an adventure path takes a couple months to get through. Whereas, you know, you could do a society game in maybe two sessions, sometimes even one, if you're moving fast. I mean, the payoffs, both just in terms of story and okay loot come a lot faster in society which is kind of nice yeah it's really nice to be able to just play play a couple times and then be done f until you're ready to play again uh, as opposed to that that ongoing commitment oh and one other thing that uh the role for combat discord channel was named the lodge for play by well play by post but i think we're calling it play by discord and we're actually even in part of game day right now so we have been working closely with Hillary Moon Murphy, and we have something like seven tables running right now of play-by-post. So it's been very active at the uh, Roll for Combat Discord channel. Excellent. Yeah, that, that is a whole bunch of simultaneous tables. Yeah, so if anyone is interested, do check out just discord.rollforcombat.com. And we got everything going. We got Starfinder. We got Pathfinder Playtest. We even have... Although it's not directly related because we're officially housed for um, play by post, but some people want live games, so we're throwing those in there. And you know anything that's society related, we have in there. So, all right. Well, thanks again, John, for joining us. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again in the near future. Yeah, it's been a good time, and I'm glad that you guys enjoyed the uh, <laughs> enjoyed the adventure. Yeah, it was great. yeah. Except they yeah. all lived. Except yeah, for that, it took it place fine. on my home world, so I love it. <laughs> I get to hunt many things. Is it a bug planet? No, stop with the bug planet thing. Soon, give it time. Soon, you'll have your bug planet. Hey everyone, Steve here. So thanks again, John, for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you on the show yet again. He actually was on the show back in January, so he's becoming a semi-regular. We'll have him on every like six months or so, catch up what's going on in the world of Starfinder and Pathfinder Society, as well as the world of Starfinder and Pathfinder in general. 
Also, as we mentioned before, if you want to check out some Starfinder or Pathfinder Society games, you can play with us directly. Just go to discord.rollforcombat.com. You can check out our Discord channel, where if you just want to talk about the games, we do that. If you want to play, you can come play with us. There's a whole bunch of things going on in that Discord channel. For those of you who like these interviews, I have several more coming up. I recorded a couple at Gen Con, and those are in the can. Just got to work on them and process them and post them. So do check out this channel. Do subscribe. Do like us, and you will be informed when those new interviews go up. Otherwise, do check out our actual play podcast. Once again, you can start with episode number 48, where we are starting book three of the Dead Sons Adventure Path, and we have a complete recap of everything that happened in book one and book two if you want to get caught up so you won't feel like you missed out anything. Or if you want, you can just start from episode one and listen to them all the way up to where we are now. Totally up to you. Otherwise, do check out the Roll for Combat page as well. We have interviews, reviews. We have a weekly column called Talking Combat, where we talk about our show every week, as well as general tips and tricks on running and playing role-playing games. Plus, on the Roll for Combat Actual Play podcast, I have a weekly segment in where I give PC and GM tips and these are usable for pretty much any game system, not just Starfinder or Pathfinder. Any role-playing game that you play, and we cover it all from GM tips to PC tips to just game mastering tips to how to play online, how to play in person, you name it. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact me here at the show. I've been GMing for 41 years. I have a fair amount of experience and have probably seen and done everything and then some. Otherwise, thanks for joining us. Do stay in touch with us if you want to listen to more interviews, and I'll talk to you guys later. You've been listening to Roll for Combat, a Starfinder actual play podcast. If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at rollforcombat.com or drop us a line at contact at rollforcombat.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, and other social media platforms. been listening to Roll for Combat. Until next week, always remember, it's an ugly planet, a bug planet.